Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. So, yes, it is a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show today. If you'd like to call in, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. We've got our first agronomy workshop of the winter coming up next Wednesday. Our in-person seating is already full. Uh, We had limited seating this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but you can watch online if you would like to. So it is free for all Ag PhD Insider Magazine subscribers. Just subscribe to the magazine at agphdinsider.com. It's just 50 bucks for five years or 20 bucks for a year. Uh, You get several editions of the magazine during the year, and then you can join us for free with any of the workshops, any of the Ag PhD workshops, at least, that we do during the course of the season. So we'd love to have you join us for that. The first one is going to be a corn agronomy workshop on Wednesday. Now, even if you're not a corn farmer, I will tell you there are a number of things in there that are absolutely going to apply to any crop. So we'll talk about everything from fertility to drainage, spend some time on weed control, we're going to talk fungicides, and we're going to talk quite a bit about some of the lessons that we've learned from some of the high-yield farmers that have been uh, having plots on our farm uh, prior to last year for five years in a row. So we'll kind of look at those five years where we had all these different farmers with plots on our farm and some of the things that we picked up from them and how we implemented that into our entire operation. So, you know, it's great when we do stuff on a small scale on the field day, especially because uh, I own the field day site. So any yield increases, I get the uh, benefit of that, which is great for me personally. But I will just tell you, we farm about 3,200 acres. And so if there's something we can learn on that little field day site, man, it's awesome when we can put that into 3,200 acres of our farm. So we'll share a lot of that kind of stuff with you. And again, even if you're not a corn farmer, there are many, many things that will absolutely apply for you. Now, we've got a soybean agronomy workshop coming up February 3rd. That one also is full in terms of in-person attendance already. And then we've got a tiling clinic coming up March 16th. So anyway, some Ag PhD winter workshops. You can go to agphd.com for more information on those. And again, to subscribe to the magazine, it's agphdinsider.com. Okay, right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, we were just talking about drainage tile yesterday on the show. Jesse sent in an email here, and he said, I watched a documentary on Mesopotamia that showed a serious buildup of salt. It ruined the Fertile Crescent. I guess that proves salt levels have always been the bane of good soil. And then another one. uh, Oh, wait, stop, though. You know how they could have solved. I was just going to say, you know how they could have solved those salt problems was with tile. Go ahead. Okay, next one. Uh, so this one comes from GT, who said, is there a way to recover the leached salts from drainage? Well, of course there is. If you want to filter the water out and suck the salt out of there, you can. It's not going to be efficient. You're not going to, I mean, it's not going to pay your head to just go buy salt. It'll be way, way, way cheaper and a lot easier for you. But if you would like to, you certainly can take the water and you can filter the salt out of there. 
All right. Thanks for the question, GT. Another one here. How long before corrugated tile becomes clogged? I see a debate about how to best build French drains. Okay. Well, that's two totally different topics. Uh, corrugated tile is going to fill up with dirt at some point. It could be six months from now. It could be 600 years from now. So what you were looking for all the time is slope and water flow going through that. And then in addition to that, it's any potential damage that could be caused by the uh, caused to the tile lines from everything from, you know, compaction that's out in your field to, let's say, some ridiculously deep tillage that might be done, rodents. I mean, there are a lot of things that could cause damage out there. But the thing we worry about most is plant roots growing down into the tile line, catching the dirt, and then there isn't enough flow and enough slope to get that pushed out of there. So again, it's really going to vary. So there is definitely no one answer. Now, French drains, whole different thing. What we're talking about there is where basically you have a tile inlet and you've covered it with rocks. So it really is going to allow soil, chemical, and fertilizer into the tile line. And it is very rare when I'm going to say that's a great idea. Now, I don't have an issue with that. Like on some of our ground, we've got a couple spots where we have a tile inlet where we outlet right into a grass waterway. Then it ends up in a dam somewhere or basically a wetland. So we have some way to filter that water again. Okay. So I'm not a big fan of French drains, but in some cases I, I totally get it. It's basically just an inlet covered with rocks. All right, thanks for the question. This comes from Tom. He said, when split applying nitrogen on corn, how do you know when the best time to apply your second shot is? In other words, how do we measure how quickly our first shot is getting used up? <laughs> We're getting the tough questions today because that is the million-dollar question. When does that next application need to go on? Now, this is a lot easier if you have sand and irrigation. If you have sand and irrigation, you can time it almost perfectly. When you have heavy ground like we do, and no irrigation like we do, then we have to be early because we've got to have rain to get it into the ground and we have to make sure that it's into the plant before it starts running short. So we want to take a look at, I mean, there are charts out there that will show you when the crop's going to remove the, or going to use the nitrogen and everything. Um, and you can look at how much nitrogen is in the soil to start with, how much you applied, and you know, start running some math on it. But like I say, when you have heavy ground and no irrigation, and you're totally dependent on rainfall, you've got to be early. So like for us, I, I want to put it out there a month before the crop actually needs it because I'm so worried I'm going to get rain timely. But for somebody, again, that has sand and irrigation, you could put it out a day or three days before the crop actually needs it and you'd be in good shape. Well, stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions and answer your phone calls right after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. 
The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels in variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us on a Farmer Friday. Of course, every Friday we take your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. It's your show today, so give us a call. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Ohio. First, we got Corey with us. Corey, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good. You? Well, not too bad. Happy New Year to you, and congratulations on uh, your corn yields this year. Fantastic. Hey, th- thank you very much. We we, we was definitely blessed this year. You know, e- yeah, the weather's important, but you did a lot of hard work. Let's face it. There, there's a lot that goes into to winning those things, and, and it's not just, oh, I planted a crop, I came back a few months later and harvested, and it turned out good. Oh, no. No, that's a fact. I mean, it, this year was definitely a, a, a trying year this year. You know, we was wet and cold early. Good chunk of our our corn got planted there last week of May, first week of June. You know, we was really pushed back late later than what we normally were. And then uh, the summer ter- turned and uh, it, it got hot and dry. And some places it got really, really dry. You know, the rains would just split us. Go- miles north or five miles south and just felt like there for a while we could not catch a rain so you know we we tried to handle mother nature the best we could but you know that's kind of why we take a full systems approach to feeding the crop and we tried to spoon feed the best we could and 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 just kept kept trying to to relieve the stress I'm glad you gave us those details, Corey. Wet and cold early. You couldn't plant till late May, early June, and then you got super hot and dry later. And you think along the way you would have given up on that crop about 10 times. Did you always think, you know, I'm surprised, but it still looks good? Or were you like, ah, throw in the towel, guys. We don't have much of a shot here. Well, <laughs> so we kind of did both. On, on some of our ground towards the south, uh, it was really dry. Uh, we only received uh, about five inches of rain throughout the growing season. Wow. 
So on that, we just kind of head back and uh, and call it a year on that ground. Just you know, it, it wasn't worth to to attack anymore. But uh, here here around home, we have we have some better soils here, and it caught about an extra three inches of rain over over the over the uh, southern location. So we kept you know seeing it along, we kept doing t- tissue tests, looking at it, and. You know, it was still responding, and the one thing that we had on our side was was the sunlight. I mean, we 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 was able to capture a lot of sunlight this year, and uh, so it was it was trucking along. So you know, we 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 kept seeing it and 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 kept it going, and and just it turned out great. Was your NCGA entry was that your best you've had on your farm so far, or or was it off a previous year? Uh, that's the best NCGA entry we have had. We have had higher yields than not turn into the to the NCGA. So the NCGA yep. is kind of new. So I think this this was my fourth year of doing it. You know, in the first couple of years, you know, we, we thought we could only enter one specific hybrid. So <laughs> now now we're learning. You know, at the beginning of the year, we're not sure what's going to be the top runner, and right. uh, we we try not to spend a whole lot of time on making a set aside plot for, for the NCGA. So, you know, we try to make it something that, 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 that you can replicate over thousands of, of acres. Sure. And, uh, sure. In, instead of just a 10 acre plot. You know, I was thinking too, along the lines, gosh, 320 is an awfully good number. And, you know, even though the weather was pretty wacky this year, would you want it again if if you knew you can get 320 next year again, but you have to put up with a wet, cold, early spring and super hot and dry later? No. Nope. <laughs> I don't think so oh, either. I, <laughs> I think I'd take I my chances on something else. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing you mentioned, though, when you get lots of sunlight, you can't replicate that. I mean, that's that's one thing. Yeah, we can control moisture if we put in irrigation or if we add drainage to the field, some of those kinds of things. But you just can't replicate sunlight. So to get that sunlight is is a pretty good benefit, especially when your crop really needs it, when it's growing fast and in those reproductive stages. Yes, I'm, mean, and 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 that's exactly right. And you know, if if we could have just had a couple more rain events, boy, I'd I'd, I'd have been really, really, really excited. Because you know, this year we we definitely got the rows around, we, we we got the length, and we just really couldn't, you know, get the test weight to go there, and we didn't have enough water. I mean, by by that point in time, the crop was trying just to fill, fill fill out the crop there and you know when you have 800 plus kernels on you know 40,000 population wow that's a lot of mouths that's, to feed. that's awesome they was going thirsty fast yeah yeah no kidding about it well hey Corey, thank you so much really appreciate having you on uh congratulations again to you and your whole team on your farm really great to hear you guys having success like that and good luck here heading into 2021 well thank you and i and and and, and and I also want to thank uh, Decal. You know, the sixty-three ninety-one is is what we won with, and that was a great number. And that plant really stood out everywhere where we had it this year. So it was definitely a great, great, great hybrid for us this year. You bet. Well, thanks, Corey. Really appreciate having you on. Hey, thank you. Let's head down to Arkansas. I got Scott on with us. All right, Scott. Uh, how how things turn out for you this year? Well, you know, it's uh, kind of a 
odd year, but it uh, when all the it didn't turn out too bad. You know, it had had a reasonably good year. I, I guess when prices come up at the end, you know, it always it always a little icing to the cake. Absolutely. You know, we hear a lot about what's going on with corn and soybeans right now. What about rice? Has that market changed? Rice is slowly um, easing up, and uh, and to be honest with you, I hope it don't go up until after we get it planted and let all all you row grass <laughs> claim the acres. You know, I love that theory. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I want all I want y'all to all plant all that soybean, cotton, and, and uh, milo and corn, and then uh, and then after after we get all that planted and everything in, then I want the rice price to go up. Okay, so, so if you could dial up the weather for a great rice crop, what would the weather be for that? Is it kind of the same thing? Get to get weed free till you can get flooded out there, and then just get sunlight like crazy. Did I lose you? Oh, just for a second. Now you're back. Okay. Now uh, last year, last year was absolutely perfect weather in in northeast Arkansas. Uh, wasn't, wasn't real hot. You know, it stayed in the low nineties. Uh, it was a little more air than we like for the other crops, but we went, matter of fact, the one farm here went 79 days without rain, but our milling quality of our rice was almost perfect because we didn't, we didn't get, catch those rains during, uh, pollination and, uh, and grain field. And we just had, had a really good miller. And, and and we didn't have real. We had a about one week of high nighttime temperatures, and, and and the rest of the time they was well within the numbers, the range that we need. And we had good yields and good quality, which you usually don't get both those in the same year. All right, you mentioned soybeans, and I got to ask you, since you're in the state of Arkansas, which has really been a a hotbed for this topic, what are you going to do for a soybean trait this year on your soybean acres? Uh, if I tell you I hadn't booked the first bean because I'm waiting to see what happens, <laughs> you know, we, we, we were all in list last year and, uh, I don't think I've ever cut a cleaner at, at harvest at absolute harvest. I don't think I ever cut a cleaner bean crop. I mean, you literally, after a couple hundred acres, you just start looking to see if you can see something in a field. Wow. And I mean, it, it was super duper clean. Uh, but you know, like it's the flex acre, you know, if this thing gets approved, you know, we're just in a, we're in a quagmire here. You know, uh, I'm across the ridge where the guys really need it closer to the river right? right. Uh, or they think, or they think they need it. They need it. I don't know. Uh, but they, they're really strong, uh, the D word, you know, yeah. and it, and that will bleed over on this side of the ridge some. So, you know, if I plant some flex versus the extent it's probably for protection yeah, you know it'd, but it'll be interesting too to see how it performs and i agree with you that's the same thing we've been hearing once you get over that ridge there's a lot of enlist beans this year hey, hey scott we got to run but thank you so much really appreciate having you on stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season or how much you can get from each acre It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop. Agro-liquid precision crop nutrition. Apply less, expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. I need the solve without the sell. With NK Seeds, I get people I trust who show me where their hybrids and varieties fit in my field without the heavy sell. So I get solutions that solve my problems from a partner who knows that success matters. Find your solve at nkseeds.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Shane on with us right now up in Ohio. Shane, how are you today? Oh, I'm good, Darren. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How'd you turn out this fall? Did you get a good fall for getting some strip till and some other work done? Yeah. If I could have this fall every year, I would be very happy. That's for sure. All right, so it started with good yields for you on your farm, too. That would make it the best, of course. Um, Beans did excellent. Uh, corn was horrible. It really was. So must have just not had the right rain at pollination. Gotcha. Did you guys get hot through that time, too? Yeah, we got very hot. We did. Okay, so you mentioned this fall was great, so you got a lot of work done. What what were you doing this fall? Was it getting fertility out? Did you do a bunch of soil sampling? What what were you up to? Um, we got a lot of fertility out. Um, we got all of our strip till acres covered, um, which we've done a few few times in the past. Uh, every now and then we get a, a field or two that doesn't get done, 
Um, did a little bit of working down some ruts from tiling. Uh, we did two fields of pattern tile this spring. So that was uh, nice to get that all worked. Now I have to try and get after it in the spring, this coming spring. So, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it didn't seem to be pushed as hard as what we have been in the past. So it was very pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. That sure is nice when you, there isn't that snow hanging over your head that's coming in a few days where you got to get everything done all at once. Now you mentioned the pattern tiling. I'm curious about that. What spacing did you use? Was it a consistent spacing across the field or was it kind of variable? Um, yeah, we did consistent. I had one field, um, that we went, uh, I guess horizontal with the way that we farm it. So on the end rows, we took it down to 25 feet. Um, and in the middle of the field, we were at 30 feet. Um, typically we've been between two rods or 33 feet or 30 feet. Um, depending, um, here in the recent couple fields that we've tried, we've went down as far as 25 feet to see if there's any benefit to that. Um, and that's only about two years in the making. So give it a couple more years and we'll figure out if that was beneficial or not. Yeah, that's awesome. I am really happy for you. I, I think even though we were hot and dry to end out last year, we know we're going to be wet at some point here. So that will sure pay off. How about with your strip till fertility work? Do you put everything into that strip? Do you also broadcast some? How do you guys do it? Um, we've been strip till since 2007. Uh, the only time we've broadcasted is, uh, when we're doing some full tillage, um, after tiling, like what we did this year. So we got out there with a bunch of the micros, uh, some boron, some zinc, uh, trying to build those back up since we're strip tilling, uh, variable rate. It's really hard to run a micro package with that. So we tend to try and cover that with the planter, uh, when we can. And um, when we have the opportunity of doing full tillage like this, we'll we'll throw it on with the broadcast application. All right. So you said the bean crop was excellent last year. Are you corn and beans exclusive, and are you sticking to that rotation next year? Or are you switching acres up with the way prices have changed? Um, we are still sticking with our our same rotation, corn and beans. Uh, we've taken a farm, and we're going to try and go organic with it. Uh, so. In the future, that one's going to have a different rotation, um, but our more of our conventional, you know, standard farms are just going to stick with some corn and soybeans. We might throw wheat in there, uh, especially with the way wheat prices are looking now. That that helps make a decision a little easier. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's neat though, and who knows what it's going to do over the next couple of months here, and how things are going to bounce around. But uh, it sure is fun when things are in a good spot for once, where it looks like we could actually have a shot to make some money next year. Um, okay, yeah, last sure last question I got for you: What's new that you're going to try? Obviously, you mentioned the organic thing. That if that's new for you, that will be a great learning experience. But is there anything else you're really excited about going in? New equipment, or or new technique, or new product? We put a new planter together last year, so I'm trying some 30-inch beans on strips with 100 pounds of potash uh, applied there. Uh, we're going to plant those earlier than the rest of the field. There's about 10-acre patches in three fields. Um, other than that, I'm going to do smaller-scale tests. I kind of got burnt on some bigger tests that I did this year, and just better fertility study education, you know, working on uh, what Brian says, drought-proofing my fields. Um, awesome. And maybe doing some tissue sampling at the same time. How how deep are you trying to put those nutrients down with the strip till? 
Um, so we're strip tilling down about eight and a half to nine inches and, uh, we're, we're getting all the way down there with some of our fertility. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck to you, Shane. That's, that sounds pretty cool. It sounds like you guys are, are making some positive changes and, uh, learning all the way through this. So good luck to you here heading into 2021. Hope, hope for the best for your farm. I appreciate it. Same to you guys. And I hope everybody has a safe 2021. You bet. Thanks a lot, Shane. Really Really appreciate that. Uh, Brian, get uh, an email here. This one comes from from E.T., who said, wondering, is it a good idea to mix two different hybrids together when planting? For example, let's say that I mix half and half of hybrid A and hybrid B. Would you rather do that or would you rather see them on different parts of the field? Well, if you want to buy into what a lot of the high-yield farmers talk about, there's no possible chance you would want to do that in the same row. And the reason why is they are real big believers that every plant has to come up at the same time in that row. I'm not saying in other rows, but in that row, they got to come up at the same time. So they have an equal opportunity to, uh, to do well. Now, we've seen that, too, for years. We've been talking about this for probably 20 years. It's just... I don't see as much yield difference, and Darren and I were talking about this yesterday, that we both believe it. it's more percentage. So, like, especially when we used to get 130 bushel corn, okay, was it that big a deal if you had some uneven emergence? Not really. But, you know, if you're going for 330 bushel corn, it might be a big deal because it's percent, probably percentage-based. So anyway, if I was going to do it, how I would recommend you doing it is maybe eight rows of one, eight rows of another, or whatever, 16, 16, uh, four and four, whatever it is. But I would keep the same hybrid in the same row so you have better emergence. It is a good idea a lot of times to have different hybrids in the same field because of pollination. So that can effectively extend your pollination window, number one, and two, it guarantees you a better chance to get pollen. So the plant's going to produce way more pollen than is really needed in that field. But just think about it this way. If one plant, for some reason, some variety had a problem producing pollen one year, if there's another variety out there, well, then your bases are kind of covered and everything will still get pollinated. So yes, in most cases, we do think it's a good idea. The other thing that we have now gone to is we've got a dual hybrid planter. So we will put a let's call it more drought tolerant hybrid in our sand and a racehorse hybrid on the rest of our ground, just as an example. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. This one comes from Larry and we often talk about seed treatments on corn and on soybeans. Larry's wondering, what do we recommend for treating spring wheat seed? Same thing we do for soybeans, multiple fungicides, insecticide, and some biologicals. I guess the only thing that would be different is no inoculant because obviously wheat is not a legume crop. But otherwise, yeah, several fungicides, some insecticide, and then different, you know, a different biological. I, I mean, we, we talk a lot of, about these products, whether it's quick grits, NutriCycle, Heat Shield, uh, boost tan. There are a whole bunch of different things you could potentially put on that seed. Try some stuff and see what works great on your farm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's some new products coming out too. I'm looking forward to seeing some of them. There's new fungicides coming on the market that'll impact your wheat seed treatment choices. Also, there's a new insecticide product called Taraxa that's going to be coming that's out. That's a soon. wireworm product. Yeah, yeah, for wireworms that, that will be interesting to, to add into the mix too with your neonic. So then you have a couple different modes of action and 
I don't know, lots of choices. So make sure as as you get closer closer to that time, you talk to your suppliers about that to see what's new this year and what's worth considering. Thanks for the question, Larry. Uh, I got this one from EM who said, I'm wondering, I've got some virgin land. And I'm wondering what you would recommend that we put on for fertilizer. Do you think foliar fertilizer will be necessary with all the residue and organic matter that's out in that field? There's a lot to think about there when you get some new ground that gets into production. We're going to dive into some of that here right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Bill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome 
back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Just before the break, we got a question from EM who's got some virgin ground. Kind of concerned about what he should do on the fertilizer and if foliar fertilizer should be part of the mix since he's got a lot of organic matter in that soil and a lot of organic material on top. Okay, so first of all, foliar fertilizer never has to be part of the equation unless you've got sand. Then I I think it's probably pretty important, but even then you could technically put it on the soil still. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is what to use. We'd really have to see soil tests. Otherwise, we're just simply guessing, and that's that's not fair to anybody. So if you've got some soil tests, or at any point, if you'd like to send a soil test, then we can take a look at those and let you know what we would do if it was our ground. I'm not that worried about all this organic material that's on the top. The only thing that I will tell you is that is going to tie up some nitrogen. So that's really the only component here that may get a little skewed. So for example, if we're going to raise corn and we are going to produce, try to produce 200 bushel corn, we're usually putting on somewhere around 200 units of nitrogen. But if I've got a ridiculous amount of high carbon residue out there, then I might throw an extra 50 or 100 pounds of nitrogen out to over to try to overcome that. Because what happens in the short term is the bacteria will use that nitrogen as food until they get that carbon to nitrogen ratio flipped and break down some of that carbon. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Gordon in Michigan, and he says, Janelle, I've got a couple of questions for your brothers. Uh, oh, okay. Well, thanks, Gordon. I know he always likes to pick on us because Janelle doesn't like being referred to as Brian and Darren's sister. She prefers that we be referred to as her brothers. Uh, so Gordon's got two questions. He said, first of all, reverse osmosis water. Just wondering what you guys think about that. I, I saw a farmer, one farmer had claimed that he was getting away with cutting his rates when he was using reverse osmosis water. Um, okay. Water is a big deal, and this is something also we've been talking about for 20 years now probably. pH in water can be big, number one. Number two, it's all the hard water ions, calcium, magnesium, iron. Uh, Copper could be an issue in your water as well. And number three is chlorine, especially when we start talking about some of the biologicals because the chlorine will kill the biologicals. If you're trying some biological, or as we would call it, natural product, If you don't neutralize that chlorine, you're going to waste your money on the biological product. So there are products that you can use. Like on our our farm, we use BioPrep to turn the chlorine into chloride, and that costs, I don't know, a nickel an acre maybe. And then if you have all these hard water ions you're trying to neutralize and you need to lower pH, the product we use is called WaterRite. That might cost a dime an acre. I mean, it's, it's pennies. It's nothing. So if you do that stuff, then your product will work better, okay? Occasionally on the show, we will talk about how you can get by with lower rates. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you should be cutting your rates all the time. But when you start thinking about, all right, when does a product work better if I have great active growth, if the weed is small, for example, if I'm talking about a herbicide, if my in that water, there's nothing hurting that particular product. I have the ideal weather conditions. Uh, if literally everything is perfect, then can I sometimes get by with a lower rate? Yes, 
Uh, Sometimes I can. But right on the label with mini products, it's going to give you a rate range quite often too, keep in mind. And that's part of the reason why they have a rate range because of Mother Nature and the type of water you're going to put these products with. So yes, water absolutely plays a factor in this, but don't be thinking, oh, because I've now fixed my water, I can now cut my rates and everything. I believe me, I wish it worked that way. But here's the other thing I want you to think about. With all the ag chem manufacturers out there, what they're trying to do, and I hate to say this, but let's keep in mind, all big companies are there for one reason, that's to make money. What they're trying to do is sell you as little product as possible for as high a price as possible. So if they've figured out some way that you can now use a half rate of their product and all you had to do was throw, well, like on our farm, we're throwing these couple of things into the water to make it better. Okay, if they figured out that's all they had to do and you could, they could sell you a half rate, well, what do you think they're now going to sell you? Or what do you think they're now going to include right in their formulation? The stuff that takes care of the water. So they're not that dumb. Uh, they've already figured all that stuff. They're using all that stuff and they're trying a thousand times more stuff than we are. So I'm just trying to say if there was a consistent, uh, if you could get consistent performance out of the lower rate, believe me, that's the rate that would be recommended and they would be selling you that at what they normally would charge for whatever they list as the full rate. Okay, other question Gordon had is, I heard you guys talking about zinc and a farmer wanted to put on a high rate and Brian suggested maybe do that over a couple of years. My question is, is there actually a maximum number of pounds of zinc to apply (laughs) in one year? There's no set thing. Here again, it all depends on how you put it on, when you put it on, where you put it on, um, how much rainfall you get, your soil type, your crop that you're going to raise, even a variety. Some varieties are more sensitive than others. So as a general statement, no, there isn't any set limit. But I will just tell you, we put on some big time rates of zinc sulfate. We put on some pretty high rates of liquid zinc chelate in the furrow or especially two by two. We haven't really seen any problems with using that zinc about the only thing I just I mentioned naturals or biologicals a minute ago ammoniated zinc can cause some real problems killing biologicals so we have to be careful when we're using ammoniated zinc the chelated zinc isn't quite so bad but anyway no there's no set limit in terms of how high you can go on zinc but as always we're going to tell you be careful and if you start doing stuff you've never done before in your farm try it on a small scale. Okay, I got a couple of questions from Tom. First of all, he said he's changing his field and he's getting into agronomy and uh, just looking for suggestions on how to speed that process up. He said he's been scouting weekly in his father-in-law on his father-in-law's farm and brushing up on on uh, some old ag PhD videos to kind of catch up on some things. And anyway, he said one current agronomic situation we're facing is giant ragweed control. Some of them got quite tall this year by the time of herbicide application. Just wondering what you'd recommend. They're planting soybeans that you can spray Liberty on and Liberty's been their tool. Yeah. And he, he already mentioned what the key is. It's the height of that weed. So we're typically going to recommend something get used pre-emerge. Python, for example, is something that can help. Um, we quite often talk about first rate as well. So products that might contain a Python or a first rate a pre-emerge, we're, we're oftentimes talking about that. Now, I don't know if your 
ragweed is ALS resistant or not. Some people will use ALS herbicides, something like Pursuit, for example, we used to use, and that would yeah, give it some good activity. Not that much. I, I'm no, not but a, something. I'm not a big fan of that. I always like first rate better when, when oh, it came sure. to ragweed. For sure. But, you know, when I mention both first rate and Pursuit, those are both ALS herbicides. Okay. Then post-emerge, the, the key is just getting out there and spraying early. You can go twice with Liberty if you would like to. Just make sure that you're spraying early and you're getting great spray coverage. Spray coverage is the key to make Liberty work. And make sure you have ammonium sulfate in there too. Ammonium sulfate is literally part of, it can be part of the active ingredient of Liberty. It makes that Liberty work better. So make sure you do not exclude the ammonium sulfate anytime you spray Liberty. All right. Then in terms of just getting into agronomy, I think you're doing the right thing. You're you're getting all the information you can find from various sources and certainly getting out there on the farm. As much as you can shadow somebody else that's got a lot of experience and, and just ask them questions as you're going, I think that's really good. And there's a lot of folks who would do that for you, uh, especially if you say, look, hey, I'm willing to come along and help you. Is that cool? Sure. Agriculture is a really awesome business. And you know, when it comes to working with great farmers or working with agronomy people or industry people in general, people are, are pretty friendly and willing to help. Hey, thanks for the questions, Tom, and good luck to you as you get started in your new occupation. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're going to take a short break here, but when we come back, we're going to take your calls and agronomic questions at 844 844- 44 ag phd also get back to some more emails that are coming in radio at agphd.com if you want to get your question in that way stay tuned we'll be right back you're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want but when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds you also need flexibility Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans, Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It's about time. Applied at planting, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient flutriophol moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind in-furrow Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. 
Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you would like to ask a question or just talk about what's going on on your farm, got to, to get back to the phone lines here. We've got Pat in Georgia on right now. Pat, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. A little confused, though. It sounds like you got a weed that's a real challenge for you. We call them coffee beans down there. I'm not sure what the technical name of it. It's a, a weed that grows, shoot, it might get half inch in diameter or more, and it goes six feet tall. It's got a little old seed head on it, and I just can't control it in this one field. Yeah, I think the I think the name that uh, people in other parts of the country be familiar with is sickle pod. That's yeah, that's a tough weed. That that sounds about right makes sense to me to call it sickle pod um but anyway I, I know i'm just a small farmer we got 25 head of cows and i plant these 15 acres just for corn to feed the cows during the winter but um uh, i just can't control this weed i thought i had them under control last year but ah, they were bad okay so so talk to us about what you've done in the past and and uh which part of the rotation you've got it in? Do you, is, does it pop up in every crop for you, or is it mainly in corn at this point? Mainly in that one. i got two fields, 15 acres total. Mainly in that one field is about eight acres, and they're just about side by side. The soil's a little bit different. One field's a little sandier than the other, so they're not so bad. Uh, that one field, um, the eight acres, Normally, I put that Roundup ready once the corn sure. gets up. Yep. I spray it, and I said, well, I got it under control. Well, they came back stronger than ever. So I don't know if I should be using acrazine earlier before I plant or, or what. So other than Roundup, what else have you used for a herbicide? Basically, that's it. Okay. And we're talking continuous corn here, right? 
Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. So the good news here is we've got plenty of herbicides that will give you some control. So it's it's really not that big a concern. You just want to be out there spraying relatively early. That's probably the number one thing that, well, we were just talking about this a minute ago. Um, if the weed gets big, and you'd, you'd mentioned how, how tall this particular weed can get, uh, that, that, oh, can, yeah. that can be a real problem. So if you're out there late, yeah. now we're in trouble. So in terms of Roundup, it's not bad. The, the key is spraying early and making sure you're using a high enough rate. Otherwise, for okay. me, yep, yep, for me, post-emerge, I'm, I'll go ahead. When you say early, what are you talking about early? Early March? I'm, talk, uh, I'm talking about before the weed gets to be bigger than four to six inches tall. Okay, so the crop's already in the field. Right. I don't care yep, what yep, I don't care about the right crop. The yep, what I care about is the weed. So we can't let the weed get very big, otherwise no herbicide is going to work very well. So Roundup should do a decent job. You could throw 2,4-D or dicamba with it. Okay. And then post-emerge, what you're what we usually will talk about, the very best thing post-emerge is going to be status. Status is status. status. Yep, status is an excellent herbicide on sickle pod, and it absolutely will control 100% of your sickle pod out there as long as you don't let it get real big. Okay, so corn's in the ground, so I shouldn't use the acrosine before I plant. I I I don't. It's kind of a pre emergent type spray, right? Well, atrazine, we actually really like post-emerge. If you wanted to throw a little atrazine for residual with your status, that's the way I would go. I don't like atrazine pre-emerge because then there's more chance it's going to end up in somebody's groundwater. Atrazine can leach, so that's always our concern there. So pre-emerge, before I ever planted the corn, what I would do would be spray Roundup plus something else for burn down activity. So if it was right before the corn germinates, I'd probably use dicamba. Okay, so like Banville, Clarity, something like that. Then post-emerge, I would come with status. And if you want to throw a little atrazine in there, you certainly can. But status will kill 100% of your sickle pod as long as it's even maybe up to six inches tall. But especially if it's four inches tall or smaller, you're going to wipe it out. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks for the call. That sounds good. Appreciate the help. You bet, anytime. All right, let's head over to Illinois. You got Kevin with us right now. Kevin, how are you doing? Hey, fine, fellas. How are you all doing today? Good, good. What can we do for you? Okay, kind of quick question. I'm a conventional till farmer, and on soybeans, I raise really pretty decent beans. Uh, of course, we always like to raise better. Uh, but I've talked to a couple other fellows here uh, in the same locale. We've kind of had the discussion between 30-inch rows and 15-inch rows. We're kind of all finding the same thing. We're an area where we don't really have an issue with white mold, and uh, but we are just not seeing a yield advantage <clears throat> on a narrow row beam, and we do a 30-inch row, and all of us are kind of the ones that are involved. This are scratched their head why this is, you know. Uh, just is going to ask you guys any of your thoughts. Okay, so for soybeans, I would just say this. When we have seen research over decades, it's shown that the further north a person goes, then the more the narrow row will pay. 
the further south you are, and you're in Illinois. And so I realize you might say, well, I'm quite a ways north. Well, yes, but you could be a lot farther north. Uh, uh, what maturity soybean are you raising, by the way? Well, it would be anywhere, you know, in the vicinity of like a 3.5 to a 4.2 and exactly. uh, different technologies between the Liberty Link and the Roundup and, that, yep. and, and all that. Yep. It doesn't seem to make any difference. You know, it's right. just it's kind of like you're not going to get much of a gain yeah. doing this, yep. if any. Yep. For the people that are further north where they're raising group zeros, even up to a group two, let's say, a lot of times we do see if white mold is not a problem, that the narrow row bean will provide more yield gain. But where you're at, you're raising later beans, you have a longer growing season, and those beans are able to catch up in the wider row. So if you're not gaining yield, then I, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily worry about it that much. It's not that big a deal. It's just we like 15-inch rows for the shade that it provides because usually in drought years, in even if you have a short-term drought, you're able to trap more moisture in that canopy, keep more moisture in the soil, and you also do a little bit better job in terms of weed control. So quite often you can maybe get by with a little bit less herbicide. But I, I well, guess, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, the thing that fascinated me about this is when you think about the root mass of a soybean plant, Yep. you know, it's not near the mass of what there is in the corn plant. So Correct. So it's got a small area that's reaching out to get fertility, and you yep. think, okay, if you got a 15-inch row, they have a better advantage of reaching out and grabbing more fertility to help them produce more, but it just yep. doesn't seem to pan out that way. Um, what kind of yields are you getting, roughly? Well, I'm running in, you know, in decent conditions. I'm running in the, you know, the low to mid-70s. Okay. Yep. So, like on our farm, we had to go back to 30-inch rows just because we had so much issue with white mold. And even where you're at, even if white mold isn't a problem, there could be some other diseases out there. Are you spraying fungicide on a regular basis or not? Oh, yes. And insecticide, okay. too. You know, I mean, corn and beans, both. You just don't sure. farm here in this Mississippi River Valley without using fungicide and insecticide. Yeah. Yep. But in terms of why is the narrow row not paying, I don't know, other than just to tell you when you've got that long growing season, usually in the wider rows, you can catch up. Again, the further north you are, and the data that we've seen for decades now has shown when you're clear up in, let's call it North Dakota, Canada, even where we're at in South Dakota, a lot of times the narrower rows will pay because we have a shorter growing season. So mm-hmm. I, I have to assume that's probably it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Other than that, it's maybe trying some different varieties or something like that. Darren, you've seen different varieties, or you believe some varieties are a little bit better based on how the, the leaves are and the plant structure, right? Well, one of the things that's been a challenge is some of the breeding programs, they've gotten such great big leaves on those upper nodes, and we find that it's harder to get sunlight down to the lower nodes on soybeans, and yeah, you have to have sense. sunlight feeding those lower nodes to feed pods on those nodes. So, and it could be that you could try some different things. But if you're just you're doing a bunch of different experiments with different varieties and different traits, I think you probably have crossed that off the list. I think it sounds like the 30 inch rows might be a better deal for your farm. Yeah, it just seems like like you said. You know, if you're trying to penetrate that sunlight in there, you're going to be 15 inch rows should be able to allow more sunlight to penetrate the plants individually better than the 30s. But it. Okay, hey, thanks a lot for your time. You bet. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.